Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us just to lift our hands right now and ask that the Lord would be here. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we need you. Oh, God. Oh, God, we need you in this place, Lord. Oh, we need you in this place, God. Anoint us, God. Oh, help us today, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, it is my honor to be here today. I was thinking that it was 10 years ago, Labor Day, that I came to this church for the first time. Never been to Oregon. Uh, been to California a few times, but never to Oregon, and I got off the plane, and my uh, my wife, at that point she wasn't my wife, but I already felt like that was going to happen, uh, she greeted me off that plane, and we came on over to uh, Mazatlan, and that was the first introduction, and it has been a <clears throat> wonderful journey thus far. We just celebrated our ninth year of marriage. The Lord has blessed us with two children, Benson and Beatrice, and we have one on the way. So we're very, very excited, and I love the Davies. Every time I come here, I get um, a new appreciation for them. Excellence in all they do. It's just exhibited everywhere from the inside of this building to the outside. I tell you, the food, everything is just excellence, and I appreciate them. You set the bar high for all of us. I give honor to uh, Brother Matthew Davies. He is assisting his father, and I know what that's all about. So I have sympathy for you, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you just hang on. That's what I'm praying. Just hang on. <laughs> I give honor to all the ministers that are here today. I love you. I appreciate you. I love the ministry. I have been blessed by the ministry in this place. Brother Frazier, thank you for the word. Brother Calhoun, Brother Alviar, I have been blessed. 1 Kings chapter 12, I felt my spirit to go a different direction than even last night, and I pray that the Lord would help me. Uh, I understand I'm the kid up here, and I'm the kid on this lineup, and I don't really feel qualified to be up here, but I'm going to do my best. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two 
calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Everybody say too much. It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. A.W. Tozer said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Perverted notions about God soon rot the religion in which they appear. Today I want to preach for just a few moments from this thought. The danger of trading conviction for convenience. The danger of trading conviction for convenience. God, we need you in this house. Lord, I need you to take my lips of clay. Anoint them today. <laughs> Help us, God. Help us, God. Anoint me Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated today. Jeroboam the first of Israel came to prominence as an official of Solomon. He was in charge of supervising the northern labor force in a building project. He was involved in a, re in a rebellion against Solomon. And when Solomon attempted to have Jeroboam assassinated, he fled to Egypt. What's amazing is while he was there in Egypt, God promised him that he would be okay and that he would come back. And upon Solomon's death, the people of the northern tribes summoned him back to Israel to help lead in the presentation of the grievances to Rehoboam. Ignoring the advice of his trusted and experienced Men, Rehoboam chose to just tax them more heavily and to put more grievances upon their back. And as a result of, of Rehoboam and his crazy ideas and his harshness to the people, as a result of this unbearable yoke of tyranny, Israel crowns Jeroboam king over the northern kingdom. He reigned over the northern kingdom, uh, which was tw the ten tribes. He reigned there for 22 years. His sin in setting up the golden calves for worship was the defining moment in the history of the northern kingdom. And ultimately, this led to its demise. Jeroboam is the fifth most mentioned king found in your Bible. David, Saul, Solomon, and Hezekiah. The problem is his notoriety was infamously linked to the demise and to the destruction of Israel because of his disobedience and because of his idolatry. 
I, I think about this story and I, I pray about this and I've been, this has been in my spirit and on my heart and I think about the times in which we are living and how there are people and there are forces and there are, are influences that are in the apostolic movement that want to change things. I believe that. We were talking last night, and this is a good place to plug it in, but uh, we were talking last night about uh, social networking, and, and we were talking about Facebook, and I told Brother Davies, I said, I believe it's not necessarily that the technology is wrong or bad, but I believe that there is an attack from hell on, on, that, on Facebook. And let me tell you how I believe it. I believe he is allowing, the devil is anointing his agents. He's anointing backslidden, bitter people to get on there and to like you and to talk to you and to try to influence you and change you. Let me tell you, we better wake up, church. We better wake up. Oh, I know, I know. I've heard the... I've heard reasons, and, and I'm not necessarily preaching about Facebook today. And if you do it, that's okay. Just be aware of what's going on in your circumstance. But I want to talk today about the four mistakes of Jeroboam. Four mistakes of Jeroboam. Jeroboam's solution to his political problem was a substitute religion. My grandpa Burr would have said a pseudo-religion. It violated every principle found within the Word of God. Political expediency came under the guise of an easier way for Israel to worship. The first thing that Jeroboam, the first mistake he made was he changed the object of worship. He changed the object of worship. 1 Kings 12 and 28, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You see, this innovation had a familiar ring to it. It was a direct imitation of Aaron's actions found in Exodus chapter 32 while Moses was away receiving the word of God receiving the commandments on Mount Sinai Aaron was at the base of the mountain and he was trying to make it more convenient for Israel to worship in Exodus 32 for he received them at their hand and fashioned with a graving tool and after he had made it a molten calf and they said these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Then Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered a burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Let me tell you today that changing the object of our worship is as good as the devil wants. If he can get people of God worshiping something else, if he can get the people of God worshiping something else or someone else, he's satisfied. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know about Oregon, 
But where we're at right now, this time of the year, is a big time. You see, we have the Razorbacks, the Hogs. Let me tell you, the whole state goes hog wild over that college football team. They worship them. They bestow all kinds of goods. Let me tell you, we're one of the poorest states in the nation. But we've got probably, I believe the last I heard, that the best arena, the best football field of all colleges. Let me, Little Arkansas has got the big one. Let me tell you something. Something has changed in our society. We're not going to churches anymore. We're going to football stadiums. We're going to the arenas. We're worshiping all these other gods. And let me tell you, I hate to be a prophet of doom and gloom, but it's happening in the apostolic church. Church people missing church to go to a concert. Missing church to stay home and listen to the Super Bowl. Oh God, don't ever let it be that we would ever change the optic of our worship. Romans chapter 1 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Say every, Everybody say, without excuse. I am without excuse. You are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful and became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Oh my. Oh, we've got a lot of wise people in our world. We've got a lot of wise, wise, wise people on these social networks. They became fools. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Listen to this. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. May it never be that in our churches and in our, in our fellowships that we ever get so wrapped up in temporal things and programs and, and our little thing that we think is just the perfect thing. But, oh God, may it be that it's a moving of the Holy Ghost and we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, I'm tired of dead church. I'm tired of charismatic church. I'm tired of people swaying back and forth like it's some little thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is anointed preaching. This is anointed singing. This is anointed worship. You're in the house of God. This is a place we worship God. We don't worship the preacher. We don't worship the singer. We don't worship the choir. We don't worship the drummer. We worship God Hallelujah. The second mistake 
that Jeroboam made, he changed the place of worship. You see, Jeroboam built an altar at Bethel. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry if this is too combative to you. But this is what the Holy Ghost has put in my heart. Just deal with it. Jeroboam built an altar at Bethel just north of the Judah-Israel border. He built another place of worship in Dan than far north of the kingdom. You see, these two locations were intended to appeal to the people's desire for convenience and accessibility. Bethel, he was smart. He knew Bethel had a close association with Jacob as the house of God. It's the place where Jacob encountered God. It was a special place. It was a special place. He understood there were going to be a lot of people that necessarily wouldn't go for this. But if I can tie enough into it. And I can make it sound good enough. And I can put it in a good spot that has some nostalgia and has some some heritage to it. Then maybe the people will be a little more likely to go there. And then Dan was put strictly for accessibility for all the people that lived far north of Jerusalem. I heard my father-in-law a few years ago. I heard my father-in-law. He was asking some some ministers, and it was probably one of the most profound questions that I ever heard. They were talking about our apostolic movement. And he said, you can slowly move the feed trough and the cows, they'll follow if it's slow. But what I want to know, this is his words, what I want to know is how far is the trough being moved? Yeah, and that's where we are in our apostolic movement. Oh God, don't let us move it. Let us keep the place of worship where it belongs. In the house of God. You see, it was Jerusalem where God placed His name and His glory. Deuteronomy 12, 11, And there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause His name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. Sounds like the house of God to me. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons, and your daughters, and your men servants, and your maid servants, and the Levite that is within your gate, for as much as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes. There thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings. There thou shalt do that that I command thee. Let me tell you today, you can't just go anywhere and worship God. Are you behind me today? You can't just go anywhere and worship God. The coffee shop will not do. The park won't do. Come on. It's got to be at the house of God. 
I'm not talking about outreach. I believe in outreach. We do everything we possibly can. But let me tell you, we still believe in the house of God. This is a place where lives are changed. It's at this altar that men repent of their sins. It's at this baptistry where people go down in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. I'm thankful for the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Convenience says the living room recliner in front of the television is a good place to worship. Convenience says an internet connection and a live webcast is a good enough place to worship. But conviction says, I must get up. I got to put my clothes on. I got to comb my hair. I got to brush my teeth. I got to get to the house of God. Take your yoke. Pick up the cross. Put it on your back. Come on, church. We've got to love this thing. We got to believe it. We got to love the house of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Number three, third mistake that Jeroboam made. He changed the personnel of worship. You see, Jeroboam, he didn't have enough priests there, or so he thought. So they weren't a part of the Levitical dynasty. So Jeroboam just decided, well, I'm going to deputize my own priest. In fact, the writer of 2 Chronicles indicates that Jeroboam specifically excluded the Levites from serving in the temple. It reminds me of a story of King Saul at Gilgal. Saul and the people trembling, waiting for seven days on the prophet Samuel to show up. Waiting for the sacrifice. Waiting for the prophet to have, get there and have church. But Saul became antsy. Saul had no real respect for the house of God and the ministry of his prophets. And so he requested an offering. And upon receipt of that sacrifice, he offered it up. And as the flesh was smoldering upon the altar, Samuel came and said, What hast thou done? What have you done, Saul? I'm the prophet. I'm the preacher. You're not the preacher. You may be the king. You may have a good title. You may give a lot of money in the offering pan. You may have a lot of influence in the community, but I'm the preacher. I'm the preacher. And because of Saul's irreverence and disregard for the ministry, Samuel prophesied the imminent demise of his reign. Today, people are more interested in a suave 
eloquent, charismatic speaker sitting on a bar stool than they are a true man of God with the Word of God in Bolden with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you today, I want a man of God in my life. I've got to have a preacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, folks, this is happening. Heard just the other day a guy, he's, he, he no longer calls it the Bible. The Word of God. He calls it the text. That's the kind of garbage I'm talking about today. Oh, God help us. Paul must have felt the pressure of others whose preaching was nothing more than a brilliantly delivered script on an actor's stage. For in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, he said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm not interested in a hireling. I'm not interested in just some guy getting up trying to tell me how to get to heaven and has no clue. But I want a man of God. Give me a pastor. Give me a shepherd. Give me someone who cares for their flock. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. John chapter 10. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. Oh, you ought to thank God for your pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ought to thank God for a man of God. Not, not, a, not a man that beats and, and is harsh and mean. Your babies are scared of him. I'm not talking about that kind of man of God. I'm talking about a man of God that would love you enough. That he'd weep over your soul. A man of God that with deep convictions, not something, not peer pressure from somebody else, some other minister, but deep conviction of his own, would get up in the pulpit and pray and cry and preach to his people. You ought to thank God for a man such as this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the fourth mistake that Jeroboam made, he changed the calendar of worship. He changed 
the calendar of worship. You see, Jeroboam, because he did all this and changed the places of worship, and they were cut off from Jerusalem, disconnected from, from Mama, he had to create his own feasts. And so in the eighth month, a month of his own choosing, no less, Jeroboam decides to institute a new feast for the northern tribes. But the problem was, it involved moving the Feast of Tabernacles from there, from its divinely intended location in the seventh month. That's okay. We're going to change it. I understand that the Feast of the Tabernacles is... It's supposed to be here, but, but we're on a different path. We're on a different road. We're, we're going a different way. And, and so we've got to have this new feast. And, and I hear the words of Leviticus 23. And it says, Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, and branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. Listen to this. And it shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. And that your generations, why are we doing this feast? That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. And when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, I'm the one that delivered them. I am the Lord your God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, everybody say more, more. as you see the day approaching let me tell you now is not the time to be changing the calendar of worship now is not the time to be deleting and canceling church services and moving it around and making it more convenient for our flesh but I'm telling you I believe the Lord is coming back and if we believe that we better have more church we better have more prayer meetings we better have more youth services there ought to be more going on at the church than there ever was I'll tell you why churches are canceling service on Sunday night because the pastor wants to stay home oh yeah let me tell you we're flesh just like you are flesh yes we are oh God oh God Jeroboam. Oh, it's all about 
It's all about politics. It's about keeping myself intact. It's about staying in charge and being over this thing. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I'll lose it. I'll lose it. So I've got to do some things. I've got to change who we worship. I've got to change where we worship. I've got to change when we worship. I've got to do these things in order to keep the people. But let me tell you something. This is the sad part. This is from your Bible. You know, you'd think that there would be some old, I'm not being irreverent or, or disrespectful, but you would have thought that there had been some old gray-headed mothers in Zion, some, some patriarchs of families that, that have said, No, sir, Mr. Jeroboam. No, we're not going to fall for your little tricks. You would have thought that there would have been some mothers who knew the commandments. And they would have gone along with what Jeroboam proposed. But the Bible says that all of Israel quickly adapted to the new changes in worship. I'm sure there were a few holdouts. I've seen it. I've seen it in churches in our town. They go the way of the world. And there's a few that try to hold on. But before it's said and done, they just give up and go right along with the rest. Let me tell you, it doesn't take very much time for us to adapt to a more convenient way. Let me tell you something. God felt differently about Jeroboam's plan. For he said, this thing became sin. Please come to the music. This thing became sin. We read of the sin of Jeroboam 22 times. I guess you could say one for every year he reigned in First and Second Kings. Always, without exception, it referenced his deviant worship to God. Let me tell you what the true danger of trading conviction for convenience is. It's doing what Jer Jeroboam did. You see, Jeroboam didn't just quit Judaism. But what he did is he mixed in the convenient features of Baal worship. He didn't do totally away with it. He didn't totally take it all away, but he mixed, he intermingled the ungodly, the pagan things of Baal worship into Judaism. You see, he chose to worship the one true God in a false way. But let me tell you something. God will not simply accept worship that distorts or pollutes who He is and what He is. Stand to your feet today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Give us stronger convictions. Give us a stronger moral fiber. Let us fall in love with Jesus even more. Let us hold to this truth. Let us not give up. Oh God. Oh God. Today people laugh at people with convictions. They make fun of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They laugh at people that spend time in prayer. They laugh at people that have a conviction against things. Hallelujah. I understand that some things may not be heaven or hell, but let me tell you, if God convicts you in your spirit, you don't worry about what others may say. Don't go the convenient route. Don't give up your conviction for a more convenient way. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just believe today that God is speaking. I believe He's speaking maybe to these young people today. Hallelujah. I want the young people just to come to this front real quickly. We're not going to take but a few moments. But hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world's going to offer you a convenient way. They're going to offer you a convenient way to lose your virginity. They're going to offer you a convenient way to stop believing in God. They're going to offer you a convenient way of believing creation. That we evolved from some blob and our world came from some bang. Let me tell you, they're going to offer you a lot of convenient ways. But let me tell you today, stick with your convictions. Don't trade. Don't trade your convictions for convenience. I want every person to pray in this house. Parents and adults, would you just lift your hand toward these young people that are here? Come on, this is a great number of young people. Come on, let's pray for them. Let's believe God for them. Come on. Come on, young person. Plug in. Come on. Don't trade it. Don't trade it. Don't worry about the church down the road. Don't worry about what you see. Don't worry. Just keep on holding on. Believe the message. Believe the message. Hold on to the convictions that have been instilled in your heart. Don't trade them. Don't give them up. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil take them. Come on. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast.
started out to follow you a long, long time ago. We've been on the mountain tops and through the valley low, but somehow. 